Welcome back, crime freaks. This is Carrie's week, and I'm not sure what she's going to be talking about, but here we go. All right. Today, I've got a really disgusting guy. Awesome. <laughs> so, we've got a trigger warning for everything. For everything. Okay. Um, if you don't want to hear about pretty much any anything. Anything bad. <laughs> anything bad. Um, I mean, that goes for animals, oh. people, grown-up children, it all. Oh, okay. Okay. If that's not your thing, please tune in next week. Um, or just turn your volume down and pretend you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got Richard Trenton Chase. Never heard of him. Well, he uh, was actually known as the Vampire of Sacramento. Okay. He was born on May 23rd of 1950. So this is an older case. Mm-hmm. He was... Uh, Never really right. He had some mental, un- like mentally unstable problems, even as a child. Okay. He, like, by the age of 10, he was already exhibiting cruelty to animals and obsessions with starting fires. Oh. And he was still experiencing bedwetting. Those are not good signs. Those are like the trifecta. Yeah. Of uh, issues for serial killers. Yes. In his teens, Richard was already on drugs. Mm-hmm. Most likely to kind of cope with his um, odd behaviors okay. <laughs> that he wanted. Um, because he had girlfriends uh, on and off in high school. But he was unable to stay in a re- steady relationship. Uh, they say it was mainly because he couldn't get or maintain an erection in the presence of females. Oh. He consulted a psychiatrist about it. But he was told, and he was told that he was having difficulty because of either repressed rage or just mental instability. Okay. He didn't like that answer, <laughs> so he didn't seek any further treatment for this problem. Okay. Uh, it was later to be determined that Richard could only be aroused and able to achieve completion by violent acts such as killing animals or necrophilia. Oh, necrophilia with the animals or uh, or human bodies? humans. Ugh. Yeah, he so another mm-hmm. Ted Bundy. Yeah, he was he was into the uh, the dead chicks, the dead chicks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, he was also um, a hypochondriac. He always thought that there was something wrong with him. Same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he was known to actually tell people that his heart would occasionally stop beating. Well, that's and, a problem. Yeah, I feel like that's that's an issue all on its own. <laughs> yeah, which is obviously it didn't. Um, he, uh, he thought he could hold an orange to his head <laughs> to absorb vitamin C oh. through his brain. Oh my. Yes. So holding an orange to your head. Instead of just like eating Instead it? of just eating it. Okay. Or like taking a supplement. Yeah. <laughs> let me just, let me just hold this orange hold to this my, on head. my head real quick. Um, he also thought that the bones of his skull were constantly rearranging themselves. Okay, so he has some serious mental he was, issues. Yes. Um, he actually went so far as to shave his head so that he could keep a watch on them to see how far they were moving. Okay, serious issues here. <laughs> yes. Um, so he was actually finally put into a psych ward for just a brief time in 1973. Okay. There wasn't really much information on that. It just says it was a brief time mm-hmm. and he was released. And then he was involuntarily institutionalized in 1976. After being taken to a hospital for injecting a rabbit's blood into his veins. 
Oh. Yes. Um, like, why would you do that? Well, his reasoning was actually because the Nazis uh-huh. that live in a UFO okay. were turning his blood to dust. Okay, that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would need extra blood too, right? You would so, think that would, like, the like mixing of animal blood with your blood would kill him. Well, it almost did. That's why he was taken to a regular hospital for this blood poisoning. Oh, okay. And from the regular hospital, got him put, involuntarily institutionalized. Okay. Because they found out it was because, you know, his blood was turning to, you know, powder. Yeah. So, obviously, the... Only thing he could do was to get some rabbit's blood some and just inject blood. it in there himself into his veins. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I don't why, know what to say about that. Yeah, there's not really. <laughs> I mean, what kind of logic? It's not even bad logic, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Except for that it'll kill you. Um, <laughs> while he was in the institution, he managed to catch um, a couple of birds okay. through the bars of his window. Because there were bars on the windows of the institution. Okay. Um, Like, yes, it was a mental hospital, but they also needed to keep them inside. (laughs) Yeah. So he was able to catch birds. And the the, um, staff there, like, they found these dead birds with their, like, their head snapped off. Uh Uh-huh. And their blood had been drained. Don't tell me he drank it. He did. Um, He drank it. They are because not a squeeze it. You don't just rip no, their head off and, and drink the blood. No. I mean, it's one thing if you rip their head off. That's gross. But, I mean, Ugh. but, you know, if you're going to eat it. But not like that. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So, he has uh, ripped their heads off and drank their blood. And, like, he, they come and see him. And he's got, like, just blood just dripping on his face. It's on his, his like, pajama outfit or whatever. Uh-huh. And so, that's why they started calling him... Like a vampire. Okay. Because he's um, drinking the because blood. Because he's drinking he's the, blood. the blood. And he also, while he was there, started stealing syringes. Mm-hmm. And they had therapy dogs come in. Okay. To mm-hmm. this psych ward. He was stealing their blood. The dog's blood? The dog's blood. He was Obviously, illegally <laughs> extracting blood from these therapy dogs when no one was looking. Oh, my God. With these stolen syringes. Yeah. So that he could later drink it. Because he found out directing, you know, putting it directly into his veins would kill him. He had to drink it. He had to ingest it. Okay. He was finally diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. Okay. Um, he was put on several types of uh, psychotropic drugs. Mm-hmm. And he was deemed no longer a danger to himself or others. As long as he takes As long meds. as he was on his medications. Well, Richard's mother was like, you know nothing. Uh-huh. And so after he was released into her care, once that uh, time period was up. Uh-huh. Because, um, you know, after, when someone's released, they have a certain time period as an adult that they have to... Check in or... Uh, they're legally responsible for them during oh, okay. this certain okay. amount of time. And after that point, then that person is on their own. Right. So during this time, while she is legally responsible for him, she starts weaning him off of his medication. Not a good idea. No. Because she's like, oh, I don't really like how it makes him act or I can feel. He's not act- He's not being himself. He's not being him crazy self. So she's like, no, my baby doesn't need that. She's one of those. Doesn't, doesn't need medication. <laughs> my baby's perfect. 
He doesn't need anything. He's perfect. He'll let me go a week without my program. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, like your mom would be like, Mm-mm, baby, come here. We'll, we'll go <laughs> yeah. find you some Prozac. I bet they sell it on the corner. <laughs> yeah. They got something. <laughs> but soon after he was weaned off of the drugs, he was convinced that his mother was poisoning him. Okay. Because, you know, he's a paranoid schizophrenic. So obviously... His mother's poisoning him. So she's just like, whatever, just leave. <laughs> yeah. So um, she actually sets him up with an apartment that he shares with some other people that he's friends with. Mm-hmm. So he moves out. And at first it was going okay. And then the other friends started noticing like really weird behaviors. Okay. He would come out of his room completely naked when they had company over even. Okay. Like it wasn't just... You know, when he was just home alone them. or just them, it was like they would have company over and he would just come out of the room completely naked completely and just naked. Okay. act like it was nothing. <laughs> and the, so the roommates are, you know, finally getting, you know, just fed it. up with it. And they're like, okay, it's time for you to leave. You need to move out. And he was like, mm, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not going so, anywhere. Yeah. So he refuses to leave. So finally, the roommates are just like, okay, you know what? All right. We've had enough. We're <laughs> we're out. <laughs> Since he wouldn't go. So they left? They left. Okay. And once the friends are gone, he turns into kind of like a recluse. Okay. Like he really doesn't get out. He doesn't see anybody. And that is when, well, that's when he starts finding small animals. Yeah. And killing them. Okay. And I'm not talking just random little squirrels. I'm talking people's pets. Cats and dogs. Cats, and dogs. <clears throat> and um, he, on one occasion, he actually stole a dog from a neighbor. Uh-huh. And when he saw posters put up, like, looking for this dog, he uh-huh. called the number and told the owner exactly what he had done to this dog. <gasps> oh, no. And the things that he was doing to these animals were, <laughs> he was not only killing them, but he was um, gutting them. And oh. taking their uh, their organs uh-huh. and putting them in a blender with Coke, as oh my in, like Coca Cola pop, no. and making a smoothie. No, and he was drinking this, and he was saying this was keeping him alive. Oh my god! So I can't even. Once he's doing all this, he has, you know, he has stopped taking care of himself completely. He stopped bathing. He stopped brushing his teeth. He stopped brushing his hair. He stopped really cleaning. He stopped doing anything. Like, Ooh. his his main goal was basically just to survive. <laughs> yeah. And to him, it was because the Nazis were turning his his blood to powder. So he couldn't eat regular food. He had to eat the, the innards of animals. Now, when he told this owner what he had done to the animal, did he say his name or could they trace the call he didn't, or anything? No, um, because this was back in the 70s. Okay. So, so there was no way to really trace the call. There was no caller ID. Caller ID, there was right. No... Star 69, there was none of that. Okay. Well, there was one day in 77 that Richard showed up at his mother's house just on a random day, and he shoved a dead cat into her face. Oh. Uh, He just knocks on the door. She opens the door, and he just shoves this dead cat in her face. Okay. And she just kind of was like, ooh, and just shoves it back at him. You know, just like, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's gross. Um, He then threw the cat on the ground. And with his bare hands, ripped open the cat's abdomen and then uses his bare hands to just rip open its entire stomach, like its whole abdomen, and then uses his hands and rubs the blood all over his face and just screams. 
That's like insane. all on her doorstep. What does she do? She just calmly steps back inside the house, closes the door, locks it, and goes through her goes on about her day. Goes on about her day. Like I didn't see that. She doesn't call the police. I would have definitely called the police. She doesn't call anything. She doesn't call a psychiatry hospital. She doesn't try to have him committed. Doesn't try to help him. No, nothing. She, she just weans completely him off his medicine. And yes, when he's and then crazy. she sees that. Oh God, he's he's super crazy. Maybe he does need that medication. Yeah, maybe he needs something. She's just like, mm, well, that's odd. Oh, let me just shut this I'm just, door. I'm just going to close the door. <laughs> I'm okay. just going to go back in and finish laundry or whatever I was doing. Yeah. So she doesn't care. Uh, in August of 1977, Nevada police pulled Richard over and he was covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Now, see, one website I saw said that he was pulled over. Another said that they found his uh, vehicle uh-huh. like pulled over to the side of the road. pulled over. Yes. And that he w- they started looking around. And he was, like, kind of out by himself, mm-hmm. like, in this, I'm not sure if it was, like, desert or field or something. Uh-huh. And he was just completely covered in blood, like, mm-hmm. drenched, just out there just screaming, covered in blood. Yeah. And they were like, hey, dude, what's what's going on? Yeah. And he kind of ran from them, like, on foot. And then when they caught up to him, he was just like, oh, just hanging out, just absorbing this blood into my body. Because my body doesn't have enough blood in it, so I have to absorb this. Just like the orange on his yes, head. Yes, yes. So he was absorbing it. this blood through his skin. Uh-huh. They get back to the truck, and they start checking it out, and they find a bucket that's full of blood that also has a liver inside of it. Well, they determine that the liver and blood actually came from a cow. Okay. Not human. Not human. Came from a cow. So he was just released. Like, that wasn't a weird damn thing to do. Like, that wasn't, like, that's weird. Yeah. Who just is randomly standing out in the middle of a field or a desert or where anywhere covered in blood being like, mm, sorry, dude, I'm busy absorbing this blood. Yeah. <laughs> like, who does that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely should that, have That should have been a straight trip to the sock ward. I'm yes. sorry, but it should have. 100%. So he just walks away from that. Just as a little aside there. Um, this was also around the same time as like the Hillside Strangler case okay. was going on. Okay, yes. And he just, Richard just was obsessed with the case of the Hillside Strangler. Okay. He was 100% convinced that the Hillside Strangler was also being victimized by the Nazi UFO. Okay. That he was not responsible for his actions. For what he was doing. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because he was probably only doing these things because the Nazis and the UFO told him to. Okay. Yeah, that was just a little tidbit of information I found. Now, where, where did this take place? Where did... Is this in Los Angeles, too? Like, where the Hillside Strangler was, or... This was in Sacramento. Sacramento, Sorry, Sacramento. California. Okay, yes. okay. So, on December 27th, someone drove by a just random neighborhood woman's house mm-hmm. and shot a twenty two pistol through this woman's house. It was... They didn't hit anyone. No one was hurt. Um, the slug that was found in her kitchen was a twenty two. They didn't know who did this at this point. They thought maybe it was some kind of prank gone wrong because, you know, like she had no enemies. There was no reason for it. So they thought maybe it was just an accident. Yeah. Just but, random. Yeah. So they have no idea what's going on. And then on December 29th of 1977, Richard Chase killed his first known victim in a drive-by shooting. The victim was Ambrose Griffin, a 51-year-old engineer and father of two. Oh, no. 
he was just carrying in groceries with his wife when Richard was driving by, just saw an opportunity, mm-hmm. pulled his gun out, and, and shot, him. shot him three times. The wife said that she just was carrying groceries in and she had, was on her way back out, you know, to carry in more groceries. Yeah. She heard a weird popping sound and she thought that her husband had fell over with a heart attack. Yeah. Because she didn't understand that he had been shot until she got to him. But there were witnesses that saw his vehicle mm-hmm. driving in the area. And it matched the same description as the vehicle that they had saw driving in the area of the random kitchen shooting. Okay. When things were, uh, when things had already went down and he had been caught, <laughs> uh-huh. Richard had told police that the reason that he had killed Ambrose Griffin was because he was mad that his mother hadn't let him come home for Christmas. Okay. So then you, you shoot someone because of that? Um, apparently. Okay. Just a little heads up there. To how well, his mom's probably freaked out about the whole cat situation. Yeah, if you threw a dead cat in my face and then ripped it up and then screamed, I'd probably not let you yeah, come over for Christmas You're not invited either. for Christmas dinner. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's... If you're going to do that, there's no Christmas. Yeah. Just going to go ahead and let you know. <laughs> but if you don't want to be invited to Christmas, you don't have to do that. You just let... Just say that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need a dead cat thrown in my face. No. <laughs> Uh, two weeks later, he attempted to enter the home of a woman, but because her doors were locked, he walked away. Chase later told detectives, I'm sorry, his last name is Chase. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Richard Chase later told detectives that he took locked doors as a sign that he was not welcome, but unlocked doors were an invitation to come inside. No. Yes. On one occasion, he was caught and chased off by couples returning home as he pilfered their belongings. And when that happened, (laughs) he had, um, since no one was home, decided (laughs) to go into their infant son's room and piss in a drawer full of clean clothes. Oh, no. And then go into a toddler child's room and take a shit on his bed. No. That's disgusting. Yes. I'd be so mad. Oh, yeah. Because you know you're throwing all that out. Yeah. (laughs) Goodbye. We're not washing that. No. On January 11th of 1978, Richard asked his neighbor for a cigarette. Then he forcibly restrained her until she gave him the whole pack. (laughs) Okay. Like he didn't ask for it. Like he just asked for a cigarette and then he just grabbed her and restrained her. And she was like, here. said, I'm taking the whole pack. Yeah. And she was like, here, take it. I don't even want it. (laughs) (laughs) Take it and go. Yeah. They were like 78 cents back then. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Not really, but it's might as well exactly. <laughs> compared to today's prices. But yeah, she was like, here, just take the whole thing. I don't even care. <laughs> yeah. On January 23rd of 1978, Richard bought two puppies from a neighbor. He promptly killed both of them. Oh. Drank the blood of both puppies, and then he left their dead bodies on the neighbor's front yard. Oh, no. Of the of person the, that he yeah, got them the from? the one that he got them from. Oh, I hope they went to the police after that. They did. Um, like, they... Back... You know, then there was not really anything such as, like, cruelty to animal charges. Right. Things like that. But they were still like, you know, this is super creepy. Yeah. You know, he just bought... You know, just got these dogs from us yesterday, and today and they're, they're dead. dead on our front, front yard. Oh. He would actually wander just up and down the streets. Uh-huh. And people, like, saw him do this. Like, this was just all in... A couple of days that he would like just be wandering down the street and he would like cut up onto somebody's porch, try the door and then just go back down. 
Uh-huh. It, so it was locked. Yes. Yeah, so this was him actually going up to check doors to see if they were open or closed. Like if okay. they were locked or unlocked. So I guess a lot of people did lock their doors. Well, thank goodness. Yeah. But I guess my guess is that mostly if they were locked, they probably weren't home. Right. He actually ran into a woman that he had went to school with. Her name was Nancy Holden. Mm-hmm. And he asked her for a ride. But at this point, he was... Maybe 140 pounds soaking wet. Okay. Very disheveled, unwashed, very unkept, dirty. Probably blood-stained. Um, he was, I mean, very strange, Yeah, to say the least. And it wasn't in like a, I can't help it sort of way. Like yeah. a, um, I don't happen to have anywhere to wash sort of way. Yeah. Like the way he was just speaking and things were strange to her. So she was like, I just hurried and... Got the hell out of there. Yeah. I got in my car. I locked the doors and I took off. Um, So very smart woman. <laughs> yeah. Like she did a great job getting out of there. He probably would have killed her. Um, Most likely. Because on the same day is when he found his second victim. While he was doing his little swoop of checking doors to see if they were locked. Uh-huh. His second victim had left her door unlocked. So he felt it was an invitation. He broke into the house. Well, I say broke into because he was still not invited. He broke into her house and he shot Teresa Wallen, who was three months pregnant at the time. Oh, no. Uh, He shot her three times. He then had sexual intercourse with her corpse while stabbing her with a butcher knife. Oh, my God. He then removed multiple organs and uh, actually cut off. He cut off her nipple. Uh Uh-huh. Did he do anything to the baby? Um, Because at three months... The baby is oh, so small. so small. I don't think he even knew that she oh, okay. was pregnant. Okay. Because when he was, he um, used his knife to uh-huh. to rape her oh. in the, uh, like in the vaginal canal, he used the knife. Oh. And it After cut. she was dead? Yes. Okay. Um, and he sodomized her. The semen that they found in her was all inside of, in the rear entrance, I should okay. say. He then cut her open. Uh-huh. Um, cut her abdomen open. Mm-hmm. Took all of her organs out. Okay. Kind of rearranged them. Took some home for keepsakes. But he had also had a bucket. Uh-huh. He found a, a yogurt container that was beside of her when he stabbed, or when he shot her. Okay. So because, she was eating the yogurt. Uh, no, she was actually getting ready to take out the trash. That's why she had unlocked her door. Oh, she unlocked her door, went and got her trash bag and was getting ready to take it out. She was in the hallway on her way out the door. Okay. When he came in, he shot her. She drops the trash. Okay. So he actually goes back and gets an empty yogurt container out of this trash bag. Uh Uh-huh. Brings it back in there and is scooping up her blood with it and is drinking it. Oh, my God. And then he takes the bucket and, you know, scoops up as much blood as he can with this bucket. And then he just pours it on himself. Could you imagine this, like, walking into that scene? Absolutely not. That would be absolutely insane to walk into. Yeah. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't even fathom that. The next murders are actually the worst. You can get worse than that? You can get worse okay. than that. Are you ready? <laughs> because <so>. this next <clears throat> one turns out to be a mass murder. Mm-hmm. On January 27th, his third, fourth, fifth, and sixth victims were all in the same home. Okay. The home belonged to Evelyn. She uh, was at home in the bath at the time. Mm -hmm. She had a son named Jason who was six years old. Okay. She was babysitting her 22-month-old nephew. Mm -hmm. His name was David. 
and she had a um, just a neighbor that came over to uh, check on her. <laughs> and so that's basically why she went to take a bath. Um, she went to take her bath, and he was, like, keeping an eye on the kids. Okay. Well, the neighbor, his last name was uh, Meredith. He was killed in the hallway by a gunshot to the head. Okay. Because Richard walks in the house because the door is not locked. He walks in the house. The neighbor hears the sound, so he comes in the hallway to see who's coming in. As he enters the hallway, Richard shoots him mm-hmm. right in the head. And as as soon as he shoots him, he bends down and steals his car keys mm-hmm. from his pocket. As he's going by the bedroom that has the 22-month-old David in it, uh-huh. he stops and shoots David in the head. Oh, the baby. Because he's asleep in a crib. Oh, um, then he heads to the bathroom and he shoots Evelyn uh-huh. in the bathtub. Then he moves on to Evelyn's bedroom where Jason had went to hide. Oh, no. And he shoots Jason. He then goes and gets Evelyn from the bathtub and drags her into the bedroom. Oh, no. Evelyn is then cut open mm-hmm. with several of her organs removed. Oh. He also drank her blood. Uh-huh. He didn't seem to have any containers to do it with, so I'm guessing, like, hand-scooping motion. There were also rings on the carpet showing, like, that he had brought his bucket oh. to pour the blood on himself. Or uh-huh. maybe he just drank out of the bucket. I don't know. Oh, God. But by this point, he had already figured out what organs to stab to get the most blood to most, come out. Oh, that's awful. So he had also tried to remove one of her eyes, but he didn't mm. get it completely out. Like, okay. he wasn't able to complete that. Ugh. I'm not sure why. <laughs> to get it out. Yeah. And then he sodomized her body. Ugh. Then he went and picked up the body of the 22-month-old David. Oh, no. I told you it got worse. Oh, no. <laughs> and he takes David to the bathroom. Uh-huh. And he starts picking at the hole that he had made in David's head. Oh, while he's there, he ingests some of David's brain. Oh. And then comes a knock at the door. Mm-hmm. It was a six-year-old little girl that was supposed to have a play date with six-year-old Jason. Yes. And she was just lived, you know, just down the street. So the mom was like, well, he was supposed to be here by now. And what's going on? Go get him. Yeah. You know, just go get him. Maybe he's lost track of time. Okay. So the six-year-old girl knocks on the door. She looks <sighs> up. She sees somebody running. Out of the house. Mm-hmm. So she runs immediately to the next door neighbors. Yeah. Because she's like, something's not right. <laughs> yeah. Also a very smart six-year-old. <clears throat> right. Runs straight to the neighbor's house. And as the neighbor comes out, comes to the door, he sees uh, Meredith's car driving away. Okay. The original neighbor that was in the house. That he stole the um, Where he stole car the keys. keys. Okay. So that neighbor comes over and opens the door. And immediately sees the chaos. Yes. Like, basically, oh, God, <laughs> this is horrid. So, he calls the police. Mm-hmm. And the police come and discover all the rest of the bodies. Yeah. Well, they call the sister, the woman's sister, Evelyn's sister, uh-huh. to let her know of what's happening. Oh, the baby. And she says, where's my son? Yeah. And they were like, what do you mean? Where's your son? She says, my son was there today. My sister was keeping him while I was at work. Where's my son? Yeah. So, 
at this point now, they've got to figure out what happened to <laughs> baby David. I say yeah. baby. He's almost a two-year-old, but that's a baby. That's a baby, yeah. So, the police are, at this point, not knowing if this child is dead or if it's been kidnapped or, yeah, you know, anything. At both of these places, he has not tried to hide his identity one bit. Okay. Um, he's left full handprints, full feet print, like shoe prints, mm -hmm. in blood at both scenes. Yeah. So, by this point... They don't have his handprints on record. On record, so they don't know who it is. So they don't. But police start putting out a sketch of what they think this guy looks like. Uh-huh. Based on profiling and based on people, well, based on the neighbor seeing someone fleeing in the vehicle. Yeah. And then the other people seeing people go up and, you know, the man go up and knock on or like try to open doors and yeah. just wandering around and that being just a generally creepy thing to do yeah uh well if you remember the girl that he went to school with that he tried to get a ride from yeah she sees this sketch and description she's like, oh. and she's like hmm so she calls in and she's like yeah i think i know who this is yeah she said because i ran into him and i am fairly certain that he matches this to a t mm -hmm. so they're like okay okay We'll go check it out. Because they were like, that sounds pretty legit. Yeah. So they went to his home. The police go to his home. And they knock on the door. And he refuses to answer. And they don't have a warrant. They don't have anything. They're just wanting to speak to him. Yeah. Basically look at him. And see if he matches. Matches And, and kind of just have a little discussion and see where he's been and things like that. So just kind of a person of interest. Well, he won't come out. Okay. So instead, they hide down the hallway. And just wait. <laughs> oh, okay. The Smart. police are just down the hallway waiting. Yeah. So eventually he comes out of his apartment. When he does, they wait till he's far enough from the door so that he can't just turn and run can't back run in. Can't run back in, yeah. He's carrying a box and he's still wearing this parka that he's been wearing for days. Okay. Okay. And apparently when they stop him in the hallway, this parka has blood on it. Okay. Not suspicious. And so does his shoes and his pants. <laughs> Everything. And inside this box was wallpaper that was bloody. Okay. It also had the twenty-two pistol that was uh, stained in blood. Uh-huh. And he was also carrying Dan Meredith's wallet. Okay. The man whose car he stole and he shot in the hallway there. Okay. So, <laughs> he not only, like, he literally was, like, giving them a box of evidence. evidence. Yeah, here's all the evidence you need. Like here, would you like to convict me? I got you a whole box full. The police obviously arrest him yeah. on the spot. Yeah. So they are free to go into his apartment now. Right. And look for whatever they want. Whatever. Once they get inside, they discover more of 22-month-old David's brains. Oh. In a container in the refrigerator, like a little Tupperware container. Oh, my God. And the pieces, there were also pieces of his body wrapped in plastic wrap, <sighs> like his organs. Yeah. Um, and several of Teresa and Evelyn's internal organs also wrapped in plastic. There were also animal collars on the counter with no animals inside. And depictions of human biology and other, on other counters... Like like the old, like the clear ones that you could like flip up and down and like see different muscle groups and different. Okay, yeah. That's what he had, like in his kitchen. 
Oh, okay. That's not weird. And they said that the smell of this place was undeniably disgusting. Yeah. Like, they like couldn't... decomp? Very much so. Like, they couldn't hardly, like, spend more than a few minutes in there without wanting to throw up. Yeah. So, they start looking through his kitchen. Like, more than just the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. All of his eating utensils were stained with blood. Okay. All of his plates, all of his cups, all of his forks, spoons, knives, everything. It's like he didn't wash them. He just left the crud on there? Yes. Okay. The worst thing in the place was his blender. Oh, the smoothies. The smoothies. He was making the smoothies with the human organs as well. Mm. So he was powdered blood. Yes. And he was not washing it in between. Okay, gotcha. They said that it was filled and covered with caked on decaying pieces of rotting flesh. Oh my god. And <laughs> this is a gruesome yes, one. Yes, <laughs> and rotting organs. Oh, that's awful. So when Richard was in custody, he had told them this is super disgusting. Okay. <laughs> I don't even I'm know ready. if I want to say it. That he had taken the body with him when he left of the toddler. Uh-huh. Uh the baby. Because he wasn't finished with it yet. And he was disturbed by the person knocking on the door. Oh, okay. Um, So when he got home... The little girl knocking on the door. Yes. So when he got home, he was making more... He was eating more of the brains Mm -hmm. and making the organ smoothies. Mm -hmm. And... uh, But it absolutely... That is... That's... Yes. Horrific. So in 1979... He was actually on trial for six counts of murder. Um, His defense tried to have him found guilty of second-degree murder by reason of insanity. They were trying to say the murders were not premeditated. But (laughs) the jury did not agree. They found him guilty on six counts of first-degree murder and Mm -hmm. sentenced him to the death penalty. Um, And at at that time, the death penalty in California was the gas chamber. Okay. Like, it went so far as to... Like the judge having to actually step out of ch- like into his chambers and uh-huh. reviewing everything and reviewing everything uh-huh. to decide if he was competent, yeah. like was able to stand trial. Yeah. And he was like, no, he absolutely knew that this was wrong to do. Right. Because he even says later on that he knew that it was bad to do it. But he did it anyway. But he had to do it because, you know, wouldn't you, if your blood was turned into powder, wouldn't you do it to save your own life? Oh. <gasps> Should have stayed on those meds. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, At the time, because all of the other inmates found out why he was in there. Oh. Okay? So they're all kind of terrified of him because they don't know what he's going to do. What he's going to do, yeah. Because, I mean, all these other murderers and all these other people that are in there, yeah, they might be in there because they did some things. But they didn't do anything that crazy. Right. That's a whole other level right there. Mm -hmm. The baby... Uh-huh. They didn't find him right away. The body. In the house. In the Yes, it, he had already taken it out. Okay, yeah. He was found a few months later. The bo- the baby? The baby's body was found a few months later uh-huh. in a church parking lot. Oh. In a box. And the body was laying on top of the baby's head. And the keys that went to the... um. The man's car that he stole, uh-huh. the Dan Meredith's car, uh-huh. were underneath of the baby's body oh. in the box. So, seeing as he knew to get rid of the body, that's another reason 
why they're like okay he obviously knew it was wrong he knew it was wrong because he was trying to hide it yes and that's what they said that he was doing with the box when he was leaving his apartment was getting rid of the gun getting rid of the evidence yes but since all of his fellow inmates knew what he had done and how crazy he basically was yeah they were all terrified of him yeah like they didn't know what he would do one day to the next (laughs) yeah or what he could do to them so he was pretty much the a very feared person yeah uh, the other inmates were constantly trying to get him to make, to commit suicide. Oh, okay. So they didn't want to get close enough to kill him, but they wanted him to die. They wanted him to do it himself. Yeah, they were like, hey, why don't you just kill yourself? And he was like, no, it's okay. Um, but turns out that he had uh, zero remorse for anything that he had done anyway. He said that he did what he had to do to survive. Okay. And he actually... <laughs> Was talking to the interviewer that he had told about the Nazis with the UFO. Uh-huh. That he needed access to a radar gun so that he could gain access to the Nazis in the UFO. Uh-huh. So that they could pay for the crimes that they made him commit. Okay, yeah. He sounds real competent. Oh, yeah, but this is my next favorite part. Uh, he also gave the interviewer handfuls of mac and cheese from his pocket. Uh Uh-huh. Saying the prison was trying to poison him and he needed to get them tested. Okay. He needed, I mean, just reached into his, I don't know. Jumpsuit pocket. Jumpsuit pocket and just pulled out handfuls of mac and cheese, like squishy mac and cheese, and handed it to the interviewer. And was like, can you get this tested? I think they're trying to poison me. (laughs) Yeah, like the the smoothie that contained the organs wasn't going to poison you. Yeah, that wasn't going to hurt you at all. But now this mac and cheese, that's a whole different story. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> He's a mess. Um, unfortunately, he never made it to the gas chamber. Uh-huh. Because on December 26th of 1980, he ended up committing suicide by hoarding up his prescription antidepressants. Uh-huh. Which were doxepin. Okay. And he took them all at once. Yeah. And did... Overdose. Did overdose and die. That was a gruesome one. That was pretty bad. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I had heard about the serial killer who believed that if you if the door was unlocked, it was meant he yeah. was welcome. But I did, I did not know all of this. All the details. My door this, will forever be locked now. This really blew my mind. Yeah, that. I mean, a, a lot of the serial killers were operating during that time. Oh yeah. So, I think some were more publicized than others. They absolutely were. Because, I mean, like I said, this was at the same time as the Hillside Strangler. Yeah. And so, you really never heard much about this. But we heard a lot about a Hillside, the Hillside Strangler. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, you know, he was a big fan. He was a, yeah, <laughs> he a, was fan a big fan of the Hillside, of the Hillside Strangler. Strangler. That is wild. Yeah. <laughs> when I pulled this one up, I was like, ooh. <laughs> I've got to do this. This is horrible. I hate that for, like, all the victims, but especially the baby. I know. I can't stand the thoughts of that. A baby and a little six-year-old. Because I have a two-year-old, and I'm like, no, if anyone touched my kid like that, I would. Oh, absolutely. That is not something that, (laughs) I mean. That's awful. I mean, my kids are a little more grown now, but I would still. (laughs) Yeah. I would still have some. uh, Well, like the six-year-old. Yeah. Yikes. I I would be the one in jail. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that was gruesome that was a pretty bad one i i told you all last week that it was gonna be it was it was gonna be out there you delivered time. on that one 
Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So we hope you enjoyed that. Um, kind of. I slightly hope you didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I hope you didn't enjoy it, but you know I hope what it, we it mean. slightly entertained you to hear about <laughs> this disgusting person. Oh, yeah. But don't worry, he's dead now. So. Well, that's good to know. Um, so I hope you join us back here next week for my episode. And uh, if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email at crimefreakspodcast at gmail.com or connect with us on Instagram at crimefreakspodcast. So we will see you next week. Send us something good. Bye. Bye.